reach out for young love. Hello and welcome to Yipcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. I'm Jamie and I'm more machine now than man, twisted and evil. I'm Matt and I'll take on any job for the right price. Yeah, I listened to our previous one and I was reminded that you were using more timely quotes, so I figured I'd better do something along those lines. Oh, I see what you I see what you're doing. No, that's that's great. I didn't put that together, but no, I get it now. All right, so uh, we're going to be talking today about uh, Season 1, Episode 8 of The Bad Batch called Reunion. Uh, the air date was uh, today, which is uh, June 8, Friday, June 18th, 2021. But uh, before we get too much into it, uh, Matt, have you done anything uh, Star Wars related this past week? Oh, I, a couple things. I got a new book. I splurge bought the behind-the-scenes 40th anniversary edition of Empire. It's fine. It's There's a lot of pictures, and I hadn't seen some of them, but it's if you've already done a lot of Empire work, you probably don't need this book, but I, I saw it. It was one of those Amazon-suggested things, like, like you're an idiot, buys a lot of Star Wars shit. Here, here's a book. Um, so I bought that, and that was fun. And then I started re-listening to Light of the Jedi, the first High Republic book, because we're about to get a pretty big bolus of High Republic stuff um, in the at the end of this month, and I sort of want to refresh my memory. How about you? Did you do any Star Wars stuff this week? Yeah, I haven't done a whole lot. Of the the kids and I are up to date on the Bad Batch now, and um, I think the boys actually watching uh, the latest one in the other room. And I'm in a constant battle for uh, the Grogu figurine that's at my desk at home that uh, that I play with, you know, that, that gives me inspiration. My daughter has decided that she wants it and that uh, she was, you know, she'll pretty much do everything within her power to get it, which includes telling me how much she loves me, hugging, giving me hugs and kisses and stuff, you know, the stuff that you want that they don't normally give. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, well, at least she's at least she's going the love route, not the hate route. Yeah. <laughs> I'll draw on the walls until you give me the Grogu. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's that that's it for me. I honestly have been kind of I've just been really busy with other stuff. How's your R two coming? You sent me that sent me a, a I think a video of it the other day. Um. Yeah. So the R two build. Right now, in case you don't know, um, I'm building a one-to-one replica of R2 functioning. Um, what I have right now is the body as a sculpture is basically done. There's some painting that needs to be done. Um, and I, I have the legs, and I have all the little accessories and pieces for the legs now, um, except for the, the plug that sort of goes in its shoulder like a round piece you screw into the shoulder because right now there's like a looks like he was shot with a shotgun through the shoulder there's like a circular hole you can see all the way to the inside um, and then I'm still waiting on parts for the ankles and the feet alright now is it going to be a remote controlled yeah I have the remote control I have the, the little um, remote controls for it and the controller the motherboard um, but I haven't, I haven't hooked any of that up because I'm waiting for the feet. Um, the remote controls basically control motors in the feet and a motor that spins the head or spins the dome. I don't have the dome yet. They're very hard to find. And I don't have the feet yet. And so I haven't done any of the wiring. 
but I think once I have the feet and ankles, which should be in about a month, I'll actually wire it up so I can control its headless movement around the house. And I think that'll be when the when the project will be more public and not talked about on an esoteric Star Wars cartoon podcast <laughs> that gets 100 downloads a week. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I... Once I get further along, I'll start posting photos of the R2 build on our Twitter at Yubcast and um, our Facebook page, um, which is Yubcast. Awesome. Yeah, I would definitely love to do something like that, but I am just too lazy. What about your 501st aspirations? Is that all? all um, I would still like to, but spending all the money on getting the house together, you know, since we're stuck in here, uh, you know, finally the you know the pool's all done. Fin- we're finally getting the yard done, and then just my wife is constantly wanting to, re- you know, redecorate the house with you know new new carpets and there's uh, other random stuff that I'm just kind of like, uh, okay, um, I get to you know we've come to the agreement that she can't stop me for doing from doing certain things and I'm just not going to stop her from doing her things with the house but uh, I definitely would uh, like to um, to do it um, but I, you know I spend most of my time um, doing other uh, volunteer work so it's very hard to find the free time much less the money maybe I'll just get a cheapo um, imperial officer uniform not saying that they're cheap but you know because I'd much rather hide my ugly mug behind a uh, behind a stormtrooper helmet then uh you know then be uh then you know like have everybody see me you know all nerdy and stuff in a imperial uniform you know imperial officer's uniform we'll get some good cosplay going one of these days we'll go to a uh a con together and it'll be you me r2 and the kids and the wives can be drowning their shame with margaritas at the closest <laughs> bar <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, you definitely need to, or I don't know how you're going to, f- I guess you have to road trip with R2, and maybe you can in- install like a bear spray thing, so just like if anybody gets too close, just, you can just uh, mace people. I like where I like where this is going. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's part of, it's part of like the astromech builder thing, like it's for people to take pictures with and interact with, that's why. Yeah, and, and get maced by. And get maced by, yeah. All right. Do you want to move on to the episode? Okay. Uh, just um, remind me. We can, we can design. Uh, I got maced by R two D two at whatever con T shirts with our logo on it. Yeah. <laughs> What's our logo? It's like an Ewok staring at a Death Star right now, but we should change it to uh, Chewie's dad in a MAGA hat. That's right. <laughs> Get our artist on that. Yeah. Or Chewie's dad getting maced by R two. There it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want to move on? Yeah. Yeah, let's... All right, so at the top of these episodes, um, I like to do a real quick background on the director and writer, just so we are showcasing um, their great work. So today's director is Stuart Lee, and we've, Stuart Lee, and we've talked a lot about him. Um, he's done half of the Bad Batch episodes so far. 
Um, but he's also an old Clone Wars veteran. He's done more episodes of Clone Wars than anyone else as a director. But I went digging deeper in his background, and he was uh, in the art department doing storyboard um, art for The Killing Joke, the Batman movie. Um, so I, I think that's exciting. Is that the um, is that kind of has the uh, backstory of the Joker? Yep. Ah. Yep. It was a very popular movie when it came out. Um, and then, then our writer for this week is Christian Taylor. He was the lead writer on season five Clone War, season five of Clone Wars. Oh, that's a good season. And he has a, yeah, it's a great season. That's one of those those last couple of seasons are yeah. just unbeatable for Star Wars content. Um, but we've previously mentioned Christian a few episodes back. He was a writer for the Bad Batch episode Cornered. I went digging in his background a little bit deeper, and he's produced several episodes. He's mostly a producer now, but he's produced several episodes of Luke Cage, Teen Wolf, and Lost. If you want to look into this guy, like he's got a really crazy resume oh, that goes back decades, and it's, yeah. he's on a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's impressive. I've never seen Teen Wolf, but I've heard good things. It's, it hasn't really uh, piqued my interest at all. It's the type of show my wife likes, because she likes those like vampire drama shows and werewolf drama <laughs> shows. And so I think she probably saw some, but I, I also have never seen it. It was just a recent credit I pulled that I thought people could identify with. <laughs> Were you going to say something? No, I'm just, just laughing, sorry. Um, so that's sort of the background on our writer and producer and director. Um, so now we, will, if we have nothing else before we should get on to the episode, which I think is called... Reunion? I know that I know that's the wrong wrong word, but I couldn't help myself. Oof, getting all hot and bothered thinking about that. All right, so this is a reunion. So, uh, based upon the uh, foreshadowing from the previous episode, we can guess that Bad Batch is going to be reunited, not in a good way, with Crosshair. So the episode uh, opens on Kamino, and we see Crosshair and some of the clones walking in Tifoka City. Uh, Crosshair comes in on Rampart uh, to report a power surge on a Jedi cruiser on Bracca. Rampart doesn't seem to give a shit, but then Crosshair is like, you know, this is Clone Force 99. Lama Sue says that the Clone Force 99 should be taken alive because they're, you know, highly valuable. Rampart. He doesn't care, and he tells Bracca to go and kill the rogue clones. I really like, sorry, I really like how this sets the tone about how little shit Rampart gives about clones. Yeah. Because, like, Lamasu's like, Lamasu's like, oh, they're valuable, we should get them. He's like, no, go kill them. Go, just go kill them. Stop bringing this shit to my attention. Just go kill them. It's your job to kill them. Yeah, he's got his own um, agenda, so, like, and clones are definitely not part of it other than just using them for a means to an end. Yeah, and, and this, the actor is doing a great job telegraphing that, just in these few little lines. It's just like, he does not care about clones. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the Kaminoans, that they're really worried that, they're, that they've got kind of a, a backup plan of sorts. They Things just don't seem to be going too well for them. They're really, they're really scared uh, for, for some reason. Well, because they're going to be, you know, one of their major clients is reneging on a deal, but also they just seem to be genuinely worried. 
And yeah, um, I think we could talk about how the Camino ends, what their role is in this a little bit later, because I think I think their basic their backs are up against the wall right now, mm-hmm. in a big big way. So it flashes to Braca, and Wrecker is teaching Omega how to disarm a detonator. Now he gives her kind of a pressure test where it's just like. I've armed it. You got to do it. You've got to um, disconnect it, uh, deactivate it before it blows up. And she fails, and they, you know, they run off. But it just turns out to be a smoke bomb. And Wrecker has a good laugh at uh, uh, at Omega's expense. Echo shows up to let them know that they need to finish uh, the looting so they can get off the planet. Omega set, is sad that she messed up, but Wrecker says he failed the first attempt too, and that she'll catch on with practice. And I thought that he was going to uh, like point to his face for some reason. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> a real pressure test. That yeah. Been, that would have been, uh, that's a great call. That would have been a wonderful opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Oh, on their way uh, to meet up with the rest of the team, uh, some scrappers uh, are spying on them. Wrecker and Echo, uh, you know, they recognize this, so they're just kind of talking on the down low, like, what to do. Uh, because they're, you know, they're they're seasoned uh, special ops troops. They know, you know, when somebody's watching them, especially people who are just, you know, they're not combat trained. Wrecker and Echo uh, give chase and stun two of the three. Wrecker grabs the hovercraft when the third one flies away. Eventually, Wrecker... Let's go, but Echo stuns the third scrapper, and he wrecks. Which was actually strange, because it looked like the guy just fell off a cliff. But Yeah, I I watched it three times, and every single time when that hover barge sort of crashes, I was like, oh, that dude's dead. <laughs> they just killed that dude. Yeah. Because he, he does. He like rolls, and he falls off of a ledge. Maybe, it, maybe it's a short ledge, but he or falls. He falls on the Dianoga, but it's asleep. Echo states that he wants to leave before they're discovered again. Hunter instead says that they should steal the weapons from the ships so they can pay Sid back. Tech, Tech points out that there's also military intelligence on the computer that they could also sell. And that uh, the reason that you know that there is so much stuff in this ship is that perhaps it's the... the or at least they theorize that Dianoga is keeping most scrappers away. They all decide to loot the ship. Omega, Wrecker, and Echo go to the armory, and uh, there's detonator and proton torpedoes. Wrecker is definitely like a kid in a candy store, just with all these explosives. Eventually, all the power comes back on because Tech is working to bring the computer back online. Wrecker loads up, taking a proton torpedo. They eventually send Omega to meet up with Tech on the bridge to give him some help. I really like this armory scene a lot, because you'd expect there to be a lot of weapons on these ships. But we don't know exactly how they were scuttled on this planet. But this reveals that they're scuttled basically in operational shape. And that it's really the, I guess it's the Scrappers Guild job to go through and scrub out all of the useful material. Yeah, it's it's a wild thing to do. But I guess this is how it works. Because there's a dozen proton torpedoes in that room and crates of these detonators. Yeah, and the the fact that they would have, you know, kept inventory of it. But which is timely because there's there's the huge uh, thing that came out in the news that the army is missing a bunch of weapons, which is not surprising, but at the same time surprising because anybody who's been in the military and just trying to you know if if somebody doesn't have a piece of gear, it it's hell to pay. So the fact that they're able to lose so many weapons, so somehow the republic is just as inept as 
you know, is, um, as our uh, as our military's quartermaster, or, or at least there's people who just don't seem to give a shit. Sorry to any people out there in the uh, who are quartermasters. So Hunter is excited with all this stuff that that they could definitely get out of debt. And Echo points out that if they left with Rex, they wouldn't have to worry about Sid at all. Echo is still a soldier. Hunter is unsure what he should be. Now, this this thing is kind of like. It's kind of holdover from the last episode. It's like, why didn't they go with Rex? Like, they're still soldiers. Why don't they go with Rex and fight? You know, like, their their motivations seem to just be kind of like limp along one adventure at a time. Not, you know, no overall plan. Is, is, is their plan to just keep safe or keep Omega safe? Yeah, I don't... I I think Echo has a really good point. And... It's obvious that Echo is uncomfortable with this plan to give weapons to Sid to pay off their debt. Mm-hmm. Because, in all honesty, that's a batshit crazy plan. Yeah, because who knows where those weapons are going to end up? Also, Echo and Echo and Rex have a you know history. They're they're brothers, obviously, but they're all you know they've been very close for a long time. Yeah, ever since the moon mission, right? Mm-hmm. The Rishi eels. All that stuff, and the Grievous taking over the station, and they have to blow it up, and they lose. What's his face? Cut up in the fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that episode. And they were part of the Five O First ever since then. Of course, he wants to be with Rex. I mean, who wouldn't? And I'm really, I'm really concerned for where Hunter's head is right now. And we've talked about this on the show. Like, we don't know what their plan is, other than to keep running. Yeah, but now they're sort of tied to Sid, and now he feels this need to like pay her for the kettle corn. Like, give me a break. She's obviously like taking advantage of you. Yeah, they. I mean, I, I maybe this is you know just speculation, but they're so used to just kind of like running on their own, doing their own thing, that they have really no idea how things work, you know, in the real world. You know, like how, like how, like it is to be like a real soldier. Not saying they're not real soldiers, but they don't. You know, they don't have the command structures that like normal soldiers do. They just kind of just do whatever they want. And now, now they can do whatever they want, but they don't know what to do. They don't have a. There's no uh, greater mission for them. And maybe, maybe, and maybe that kind of goes back to just like how they are. They all, all they did was just go from like mission to mission, just doing whatever they wanted as long as it you know helped the republic but now they're just kind of like well we don't really have any missions for the republic anymore and you know their um their ways don't work out as well as they should because they don't have the they don't have the republic backing them up right i think i think there's this is sort of the conflict right that we have to work through we have to figure out who they are in a post republic world Rex is still fighting, and and they have this four clones and a little lady problem mm-hmm. that they still have to solve, and we don't know what happens. We have no idea what happens to this group in the future. So, on the bridge, Tech is downloading some of the intelligence from the bridge computer, and Omega is helping him. She asks him what the war was like, and he gives a very clinical answer. You know, she wants to know. You know, like. You know, so this is like uh, asking Grandpa, you know, what it, you know what it was like in the war. And, you know, instead of just saying like, 
you know, how horrible it was or good times, bad times. It's just like, oh yeah, we did this and then we did that. It's not really what she was looking for. And while they're talking, a, um, a light starts blinking on one of the panels. And Omega asks what it is, and Tech says that it's a proximity alarm indicating a ship is approaching, but not to worry about it. Then three ships fly over the cockpit and land nearby. Echo calls Hunter and tells him that the Empire is here. I want to like Tech. They're making it very hard to like Tech. I don't like him. They give him like these tech-to-tech jobs, but he's so bad at understanding her question. And then he's immediately dismissive of the proximity alarm, and he's immediately disproven. It's oh, like, yeah. It's like, what is your, like, what are you doing? Well, it was the same thing last, uh, the, the last episode with uh, the chips. He's like, eh, it's nothing, the chips are fine. And Rex is like, uh, no. Yeah, and so, like, like his, his intelligence or abilities make him arrogant to the point where he doesn't know he's wrong. And he's unwilling to ex- he's unwilling to have that examination. It's actually a wildly unintelligent position to have mm-hmm. because you should be constantly reevaluating your position to see if there's new information or new data. The thing blinking might not have made sense because it's a crashed star destroyer on a planet, and he's like, "Yes, yeah, the old proximity alarm is probably broken." And then he sees the ships, but there's no there's no examination by him of why he thinks that. Yeah, or what it meant that he was wrong. Yeah, my uh, my wife and I watched a, a movie last week called Captain Fantastic, where uh, Viggo Mortensen uh, is raising his kids out pretty much in the wilderness. You, um, they're super in shape. They're super smart. They know a lot of things. You know, they know how to defend themselves, but they're so wildly naive when it comes to just being out in the world that. On their own, they're going to get rolled by the first, you know, the first person that sees them as an easy mark. Just because they're they have incredible brains, you know, they are so naive of how the world works. It, it reminded me of that because it's just like, for all your smarts, you don't have any brains. Exactly, and so he he is just so grating on me right now, and I want to like him, but he's he might be my least favorite bad batcher right now. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully there will be some like tech-centric ones that make him more sympathetic, instead of just being, you know, the uh, the Sheldon of the show, which don't don't really need that. And I'm saying this as a professional scientist who works with these people all the time. You can make him sympathetic. You're doing a shitty job. I work with software engineers every day. They uh, they can be just like this, or they can be fun right i i'm I'm, sh- I'm sure that they'll do something because like there, there's been plenty of episodes that have been you know like they take a character that you don't really give two shits about and then afterwards you're kind of like huh you know what I'm, I'm on this person's team now and so back on camino the Caminoans are saying that the empire's mission is endangering their contingency plan and they're going to send another bounty hunter to get the young clone so this is pretty cool and is something that was always in the, is in the back of my mind for the rest of the episode. And unlike uh, The Force Awakens, where I keep on waiting for Luke Skywalker to show up, and he never does until the very last minute, it pays off. They are terrified of the Empire. I don't know what Omega is, but they call her a contingency plan, which is something you called her in a previous episode. I think you called her a contingency plan in episode two. 
of our Bad Batch season. Yeah. She has the ability to turn off the chips. Some I'm beginning to think you're right. Yeah, just that that she can somehow she doesn't know she can, but there's something about her that she has the ability to turn the chips off. So that eventually if I was the Kim Kaminoans, I'm creating this army, you know, this this humongous army to be controlled by just this one guy and if he's successful, he's going to cl- you know, they're not they can't be that stupid. They're, he's going to clamp down hard on on everything and they could very well just become another casualty. Wouldn't you want a way to deprogram the clones or to activate secondary chip inside of them where they turn on their yes. masters or they protect the Kaminoans uh, at all costs? Or maybe they just yes. all just become terrible soldiers and they just like because they don't have to um, they don't have to worry about them being being used against them. It's the you know it's the kind of prime directive number four for Robocop. He's got his three prime directives, but he's got the fourth one that spoiler alert for a movie that came out a very long time ago he's not allowed to arrest anybody who works for the company that created him which duh i, I would i would do that <laughs> i would totally do that as if i have some sort of like murder bot or you know like an army of you know, highly trained killers i would make sure that they couldn't that they couldn't uh, be used against me so you put this theory forward in a previous episode at the time I disagreed. I didn't think it was probable. Now I think you're spot on. Your prediction is going to come true. That she can do something to the chips. She can reverse Order 66 somehow. And this is going to be part of the plot. And and this is a contingency plan that they're talking about. When I saw Mama Sue and the other Kamino, and I can't think of her name, in the room together, and they're talking about this contingency plan, it occurred to me they're occupied at this point. Mm-hmm. They are basically under house arrest. Like Rampart's there. All of these clones do exactly what Rampart says. He controls the whole planet from um, Tapioca City or whatever this place is called. You know, they've seized the means of production, basically. You know, like nationalized the cloning facilities. Granted, they're not going to be using them anymore, but they don't want them just to make any clones at all. Like you said, you know, they're occupied and they can't they can't perform their craft and they can't protect their IP or their property because the empire is just has completely taken over. Back on Braca, uh, there's a I would say like at least like a company of clones led by uh, Crosshair. Uh, the clones can't scan the ship because uh, the bad batch is jamming them. Crosshair knows this means that they're still on board. The bad batch know that they're outnumbered and the clones will sweep sweep through the ship until they're cornered. One of the clone uh, attack shuttles finds uh, the Havoc Marauder and uh, is told that they're not there. Tech taps into their communications and learns that a trap is waiting for them in the hangar. So the Bad Batch decide to go through the artillery deck. You predicted this as well. You said that the reason we were talking about um, Crosshair being the first death trooper and how the death troopers speak in a garbled code and you said that was going to be because tech hacks them yeah so and you're like oh shit this is happening yeah because you can and it even sounds a little bit like it when he's tapping in except at first i thought that oh they're they did it already but yeah this is this makes total sense of like why they start why the death troopers you know talk in like the super weird encrypted garble is because 
they can be hacked you know they can be uh, their communications can be hacked i thought it was rather foolish for them just to think that like crosshair doesn't know pretty much you know their uh, their repertoire you know once again tech while tech is really smart he didn't think that well you know like maybe crosshair knows what you would normally do in this situation so which this ends up being a bad uh, a bad call they uh, head to the artillery deck and they're pretty much they're captured by crosshair and the i want to say proto death troopers and the rest of the clones they decide to get away by powering up the huge artillery cannon uh, and firing it now this, it's pretty dangerous because they will fall but uh, they could survive the fall but their alternative is just being shot and killed by crosshair and the, the rest of the troopers under his command this plan is apeshit crazy mm-hmm. but it is it gets me so excited when they do something like this because i'm like like this is fucking bananas yeah because you have no idea and they do another thing later in the show that's also like just batshit crazy and i'm just like oh my god yeah and they've and got this is this is the first time and i fucking loved it yeah and they've got a kid with them so <laughs> they got like a 12 year old girl <laughs> yeah you know they're all in armor they can battle-hardened soldiers wearing armor you know if they fall they know what to do and they could survive she's just a kid in clothes so i'm assuming you know that wrecker does something that helps her or whatever plot armor i think hunter i think hunter grabbed her and like protected her from the debris but while they're putting together this plan hunter and omega try to reason with crosshair try to tell him that you know this isn't you it's the chip uh he doesn't seem to care and then he orders the clones to kill omega and then tech fires the artillery in the deck you know just it crumbles around them and there's a lot of shooting uh and even omega starts to shoot from her bow Wrecker throws a clone out a window, and as they flee, a flame trooper tries to stop them, and Wrecker throws his favorite proton torpedo uh, at, at the trooper. You know, I really like this. At the same time, you know, there's they don't have that, like, um, hesi- hesitation that Rex and Ahsoka did to not kill them. They're just like, I don't fuck these guys. And just, you know, shoot them, throw them out a window, you know, crush them, however. Yeah, they had the, they had the blasters on stun for the scrappers in the beginning and then when that one fell off the cliff and fell to his death they got the taste for blood <laughs> and then they started killing everybody no i i'm kidding obviously but but i, I noticed that too it's like ahsoka didn't want to kill them and rex i guess was a little bit more okay with killing them in that moment but he was easy to be convinced otherwise because he was crying about it mm-hmm and he was obviously emotionally wrecked that he had to fire on his brothers. These people kill so many clones. Yeah. And I guess I guess it's they're not exactly the same, but and it's self-defense more or less. Yeah. But it's brutal. Yeah, and it is shown that they don't like the regs. Uh, regs being the regular troopers. So they've got you know they've got no problem getting into fistfights with them. So they've got probably not going to take too much of them you know for them to just kill. Every one of them. Crosshair, on the other hand, that might be different. Because they always see, um, seem to keep together, you know, separate away from the rest of the uh, rest of the clones. So they might not have that bond that all the other yeah, clones well. do. Because all the other clones look like you know, look like each other. You know, the Bad Batch, they semi-resemble them, but they're, you know, they're not the same. Um, what did you think about Wrecker throwing the clone out the window? I thought it was funny. At the same time, it's just like uh, it's going back to like, oh man, they don't they don't care about them, <laughs> you know. There, there's no, you know, like oh these guys can't help it, you know. It's just like 
screw these guys. I laughed out loud at that moment because it gave us a, a very subtle Star Wars trope. Ah! The <laughs> Wilhelm scream, which appears in every Star Wars property at some point. Um, it's in every movie. It's in every cartoon at some point. Maybe not droids and Ewoks, but it's a favorite sound effect of Bill Burt. Mm-hmm. Or Ben Burt. Is it Ben Burt? It's Ben Burt. It's a favorite sound effect of Ben Burt, and he put it in everything. And it was originally labeled, um, Man Gets Eaten by Alligator. <laughs> and there's all sorts of Easter, Easter eggs in Star Wars about the source material for the Wilhelm Scream. It's very, if you, if you Google Wilhelm Scream in Star Wars, there's articles written about it. And when he throws that clone out the window, he does a scream. Ah. Um, and I thoroughly laughed when I heard it, and I was very happy to hear it. It's like, it's on the level... It's way more subtle, but it's on the level of I have a bad feeling about this in no, Star I, Wars. I never even caught it. So after this battle in the um, artillery deck, the Bad Batch decide to exit the ship through the engine in the back. This is a crashed ship. They, they just walk out the engine in the back. Crosshair comes to after being knocked out during the artillery maneuver. Um he calls for a shuttle to bring him around to the aft section of the ship because his squad is reporting that that's probably where they're headed. Um, he, Crosshair also orders one of the clones to the bridge. The Bad Batch is a little weary about walking through the engine. Omega, there's a great exchange between Omega and Wrecker where Omega says, I've never been inside an ion engine before. Wrecker replies, it would be a lot weirder if you had. I, <laughs> it was a real laugh out loud line for me. I just love that sort of banter. Yeah. Well, but in reality, they're just looking for a way off the ship. Yeah, and they're just looking for any hole. Yeah, yeah, and like Tech at one point, like he says something. You know, he's about to describe it part of the engine, and Record's like, "Yeah, no one cares," <laughs> which I thought I thought was yeah, exactly. Funny. And he's like, he's like, "Oh, this is built with a special material that can withstand." Record's like, "Stop it! <laughs> Nobody cares." So they're working their way to the end of the ship because they just want to get off the ship so they can get back to their ship. And as they get to the edge. Crosshair is waiting for him, waiting for them. Hunter sticks his head out, and Crosshair takes a shot and barely misses him. So Hunter, seeing that they can't go out that way because Crosshair is just going to cut them down, tells them to backtrack through the engine. They're going to find another way. The clone that Crosshair dispatched to the bridge has been ordered to turn the engine back on, to fire it back up. So since Tech had restored the primary power... That meant the engines can be powered back on. The Bad Batch is now standing basically underneath a space shuttle <laughs> as it's power as it's powering up. And Tech tells them that they might have two minutes to get out of there before they're vaporized. They have a quick debate on what to do, and Wrecker suggests something called Plan 7, but apparently that doesn't make sense. This doesn't pay off in any way, though. Let's pause here for a second. I want to know what you thought was what was Wrecker talking about. Here, did you did you give it any thought or like have any opinion about what the heck was going on? Uh, no. I mean, I I you know once it took place, I you know I totally I totally got it. That I don't see why they would be like, oh no, that would no no it would never work. I can't we can't do that in this in this situation. But it's like it totally worked. I I don't know. Yeah. So so ultimately they decide to use the explosives that they were trying to steal at least some of them, to snap off sort of the housing around the engine so it falls away from the ship with them inside and the engine is still attached to sort of the fuselage of the the ship. 
So Crosshair is told by the clone on the bridge that the engine is ready. Basically, they're done priming it. And he gives the order to engage the engine. Right when this happens, the Bad Batch sets off their explosive. And the housing falls away. And as it falls, it sort of redirects the engine wash onto the clones standing on this cliff overlooking the Jedi cruiser, including Crosshair. And they sort of get melted. Yeah. This is brutal Mm -hmm. they sort of get blasted with this stuff this is rough yeah if it you know if not uh direct exposure just like the heat the insane amount of heat from it you know think about like walking outside in phoenix right now or something times a (laughs) hundred this is like bananas i it took me aback a little bit because it was like really it was like really nasty it was like worse than what happened to anakin it's up there i mean it's he gets really messed up by this he orders the engine's off, right, in sort of a panic. Um, but this work, this plan works for the Bad Batch. The The housing is separated from the ship, and it sort of falls. This wall is super chaotic. The housing gets smashed, and it splits in two. The group gets mixed up. Omega ends up with Hunter. Everyone else is separated. They just all get on their comms and say, let's meet back at the Marauder. So now they're all separated and on the run. A clone finds Crosshair and calls for a medic. Crosshair says to secure the ship, meaning the Marauder, before the Bad Batch escapes. And so the clone who called for the medic tries to call the clones responsible for the Havoc Marauder, but there's no response on the comm. So Omega and Hunter get to the ship and see that the clones are dead, and that here's the big reveal of the episode. The bounty hunter Cad Bane is waiting for <laughs> Hunter and Omega, at least Omega, and his back-talking droid Toto 360, played by Seth Green, is also there. <laughs> this, uh, what did you think? I was definitely surprised. I mean, I, it was it was welcome. I I actually didn't mind Cad Bane. He's he's a character that I didn't really care for that much because he never seems to like in the Clone Wars never seems to really get his comeuppance, uh, and he's just super arrogant. So it's just. I don't know, I had mixed feelings. I mean, I was glad to see him, but I, I had a realization about like what this whole series is. That I think this whole series is just an epilogue to the the Clone Wars. It's gonna we're gonna see a lot of characters from, you know, the Clone Wars. Maybe Cad Bane dies or gets thrown in prison or something, but you know, that they'll tie up loose ends. I think like the main loose ends, you know, hell have to be like what happened to all the clones. Yeah, seeing him, seeing him was just like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this is, you know, kind of like this is kind of just a epilogue love letter to the, you know, to the um, to the Clone Wars. I didn't know your opinion of Cad Bane, honestly. Um, it's not someone. It's not someone you and I have talked about in great detail. I love Cad Bane. I think Cad Bane is an evil Indiana Jones in the Clone Wars era. He is amazing to me i i've got a lot of cad bane toys and i've got i even got a little toto toy and i think he's really a great he he took that bounty hunter archetype and really turned it on its head and yeah he's arrogant and yeah he doesn't get his comeuppance but that's sort of the story of like the clone wars right the bad people never really pay for the bad things they've done Mm -hmm. and he steals from the like he has the holocron heist He's involved in Zero the Hutt's death. 
he fights Obi-Wan, he fights Quinlan Voss, he fights Anakin, he fights Ahsoka. Like, at one point in time, during the Hardeen, Obi-Wan undercover arc, Anakin thinks Cad Bane helped the person who murdered Obi-Wan Kenobi escape. At at one point, Anakin is hunting him Mm -hmm. with the intention to kill him, and he still fights. It's so refreshing to see him back. And to your other point, that this is just this is going to be an epilogue for Clone Wars. Good. I'm all about tying up loose ends and filling in this connective tissue. I want to know what happens to Cad Bane. I I do. Like I I want to know if like he goes into hiding or if he gets killed or if he's in prison someplace during the original trilogy. Why isn't he on the deck of um, the Star Destroyer when Darth Vader is hiring bounty hunters to hunt down the Millennium Falcon, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why isn't he there? Because Boba Fett's there, Bosca's there, yeah. Dengar, Forlom, and Zuckus are there, but not Cad Bane. Let me know why. Yeah, exactly. This is the sequel effectively being season eight to The Clone Wars. I would take 20 seasons of The Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. I would watch these shows with you forever. Oh. That's. That's what I want, you know? <laughs> yeah. I just want a thousand of these episodes, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, Toto is there. Hunter asks Cad Bane who hired him. Of course, Cad Bane refuses to answer, and he says he's there for the girl, meaning Omega. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great Western-style quick-draw contest between Cad Bane and Hunter, and Hunter loses. Hunter is shot in the chest, and his shot goes wide and hits Toto, blowing off his foot. So in the previous episode, you said you like you like these standoff things, and I was making a list of standoff things for you to talk about in a future episode. But what did you think of this one? I thought it was great because he doesn't just lose; he loses big time. <laughs> yeah, he loses by a lot. I actually, the first time watching it, I was just like, "Are they going to kill Hunter off? This is wow." <laughs> I watched I, it with the kids and the boy, the older one said, I can't believe they just killed Hunter. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, like, this is scary, this is a terrifying moment for people who love this show, you know, because they just shot him in the chest. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's maybe not the toughest, but he's just kind of, he's the he's the leader, he's the one who's, I don't want to say most human, but, you know, other than like the face tattoo, he's not super, you know, he's not super strong, he's not half machine, he's not hyper intelligent or like a really you know good shot you know so his skills are a little bit more um subtle subtle yeah so you know like he's he definitely just feels like a normal normal guy and so like seeing him shot is like oh it was a rough moment and it's followed up by a pretty pretty rough moment um omega runs to him she's hysterical beside herself she is afraid that he's dead um she draws her bow to shoot Cad Bane, and Toto flies up and knocks it out of her hand. He still has one foot thruster. Cad Bane sort of apologizes, not really in that Cad Bane style, and he stuns Omega with his blaster. So we cut back to Crosshair. He's being patched up. He looks fucked up. He has like a head bandage on. He's got a face mask on. He's obviously in a lot of pain. The clone, a clone comes up and tells him that the Bad Batch is in retreat, and they should have him. 
and he demands to be put on a shuttle. So now we cut back to the Havoc Marauder, and we're given we're given the rest of the show, not the entire show, but like this portion of the show, the last this last little bit, from the point of view of Hunter's sort of heads-up display inside his helmet. Yeah, I thought this was cool. It was incredible. I there's nothing short of like looking through quad knocks. We don't get this point of view in Star Wars. And so Hunter is he comes to and he sees like Wrecker and someone's carrying him and the ship they're being shot at, but he's looking at the ship and everyone's shooting past him, and so you can't really see who's attacking them. Presumably it's the clones, obviously it's the clones. You don't see the battle at all. You just see him getting basically drug onto the ship. Hunter or Wrecker is yelling, "Where's Omega?" And you see Wrecker scoop up her bolt, her bow off of the, off of the little landing pad. And then they get on the ship. He takes his helmet off, and now we're back into our regular, sort of view, looking at their faces in three-quarter profile or straight-on profile or however it's being shot at the time. And Hunter basically says. Uh, Omega's been taken by a bounty hunter. We have to get her back. Mm-hmm. The end. Yeah, so it's very much like the uh, the end of episode six of the Mandalorian, where Grogu is is taken by the taken by the uh, dark troopers. Yeah, you have what I want. Yeah. What did you think of this episode overall? I thought it was I thought it was a great episode. Not a lot of you know stupid shit. You know stuff that's just kind of like uh, right. Yeah, uh, you know, and it just. It went fast. It went really fast. I really, I really enjoyed it. I'm really uh, excited to see, you know, where this leads. You know, like what's the Kim and Owens deal? So I, I agree. I think this is this is almost a two-parter from the previous episode, right? Because as far as we know, this could be the next day. I was actually surprised that they're still on Braca. We talked last time about how much I love Braca as a set, and so I was happy that we're still there. But it was sort of shocking to me. They knew that they were being monitored. Or that that was a, a risk, and that they're still there. Um, but I loved, I loved this episode. It adds so much depth to the threats, right? So mm-hmm. now we have Cad, we have Cad Bane and Finnick Shand out there um, doing their thing, trying to get Omega back or get the clone Clone Force ninety nine back. We have Crosshair with the resources of the Empire behind him, who's now been mutilated by by the Bad Batch. Does this affect? the possibility of Crosshair's redemption. That's my question to you. I honestly don't think he's coming back to the Bad Batch. I don't think he is either. I think this I think this closes the door. This is the this is the body horror that George Lucas put in his in his morality plays. When you do evil, you lose sort of your physical form. Mm-hmm. Like you did you did the quote, I'm more machine than man. He's more machine than man. Vader loses his humanity. Literally, mm-hmm. right? He's still redeemable in the end, but his path to evil is paralleled by his loss of his physical form, by damage to his body. Palpatine scarred by his power. Mm-hmm. We can go. We can go into legends and say Malgus, as Malgus got more powerful, he became less human, quote unquote human. Right? He became less of an organic thing. Mm-hmm. He became more of like this automaton. Now we have Crosshair being mutilated by his comrades. Not intentionally, but but the effect is probably, that, that subtlety is probably lost on him. He's injured in battle with 
it, with Clone Force ninety nine. So I don't see a path back for him now. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't either. He's he's done. It'll it'll definitely be interesting. He has he has a definite gripe with them. You know, if he's if he's as really as as you know fucked up as it seems. I mean, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I think I'm I'm right there with you. I think it's going to be it's going to be very difficult for him to come back from this. But this is I'm on board for the story they want to tell, and so let's let's buckle in, right? But mm-hmm. it, it appears to me that that they're pushing these people apart. Yeah, not bringing not bringing them together. Now it's just you know for Crosshair, it's not just about doing his duty. It's going to be about revenge now, right? And that and that's a very dangerous motive. I think this episode also did a great job establishing the predicament the, the Kimoans are Kimo-ans, in. Kimoans, yeah. I'm not going to get it right. <laughs> it's, it's not going to okay. happen. <laughs> no, it, it really establishes the position they're in and how unwinnable it is for them. And it makes them look toward this supposed contingency plan that they have in place with Omega. And I am fascinated by that. I want to know exactly what that is. And it also introduces a little bit of tension in the team itself in between sort of Hunter and Omega's trajectories. Not Hunter right. and Omega, Hunter and Echo. Yeah. Their trajectories where Echo doesn't get why they give a shit about this Trandoshan old woman who's obviously blackmailing them as opposed to like a workaday clone that they know that they can at least trust because he just saved them yesterday mm-hmm. from a terrible fate. And so, I don't know. Like, as far as I'm concerned, this is a continuation of my favorite episode of the series so far. You, it's just a minor bit of trivia, but it was actually also in the previous episode, but when they show the the landscape of just, like, all the wrecked ships, it's not all Venators. There's actually a Hammerhead Corvette sticking up out of the junk, So and you can plainly see. That is awesome. I... I did not notice that, but that's probably enough of a reason to rewatch it. I love, I love little Easter eggs like that. Let's now rank. Well, uh, we're going to rank the episode now. If you haven't listened uh, to previous episodes, how we rank episodes is we rank them by characters and uh, their popularity, or just how great the characters are. A great episode would be, uh, you know, an original trilogy character like Luke, Han, Leia, Vader. Uh, you know, a really bad one would be. Uh, Sleaze Bagaccio. Uh, can't I cannot say his name right. Sleaze Bagaccio. Yeah, or the um, or, or Dak, or you know that spider thing that walks out of Jabba's palace as a C three PO and R two D two are going in. You know, something you know, either really bad character or is just like not enough to that's make a, you care. That's a Bomar monk. Yeah, I, I I I didn't know the full name, but I just it was easy to say spider thing. I'm flexing. I'm flexing. <laughs> oh, I, I bow to your superior knowledge. So, <laughs> so Matt, in your, um, what would you rate this episode? I gave the last episode a Hera because I liked it so much, and I sort of consi- consider this a continuation of it. But I don't want to give it something. I don't want to give it a character I care more about than Hera. So I think I was sort of leaning towards like a bounty hunter, Boosh, the bounty hunter. Sure. That's the bounty hunter that Leia dresses up as to sneak into Jabba's palace. It's a, I consider it a separate character from Leia. 
because uh, mm-hmm. it actually actually was a separate character from Leia if you read the comics, and she was impersonating this bounty hunter. I think I love that they're bringing in more of the bounty hunter world, and I'm really fascinated to see what happens next. So I think I'm going to stick with Boosh. I'm going to go with a uh, Lobot. Now, Lobot might seem kind of a minor character because he was only in one movie, but he's much. There's much more to Lobot in uh, in the comics, and you know, in the Lando comics, he's he's just like a regular guy. You know, he's got this cybernetic implant, but he's just one of Lando's friends who does uh, you know heists with him, and he eventually, you know, to to sa- I think it's to save Lando, he ends up pretty much lobotomizing himself and. You know, and so he just becomes more of like this drone character. And Lando still cares a lot about him, and he's in other episodes, or he's in other uh, comics, but he's just, it's just kind of tragic that he's kind of like lost, you know, lost what he had. And it just makes me feel, you know, cause just a little bit of a downer because just because the whole episode ended on a down note, and from what we talked about, Crosshair it doesn't seem like he's coming back. I like, I like that pick a lot. Um, that Lando comic. If you haven't read it, listener, um, go find it. It's pretty old now. It's fascinating about how Lobot ends up being sort of a speechless half-human, half-robot. I mean, Lobot means lobotomy, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, that whole series, it ties into later comics, too, with with the plot does. And it really shows Lando being peak Lando. Um, it's a great, great pick, and yeah, I think I think Crosshair lost his last little shred of humanity today, and and there's no no coming back from what he experienced, and now he and you're right now he's motivated going to be motivated by revenge, and that's hard to talk someone down from. Yeah, you know that's that's the episode. You know, thanks for listening and downloading. You know, if you like this episode, you know, be sure to uh, tell a friend. You know about us. You know, if there's somebody you don't like, tell them about us too, because, you know, fuck that person, right? We will be back next week with where we talk about the episode 9 of The Bad Batch. Yeah, we're halfway through season 1. Yeah, it's crazy. Thanks for, thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you later. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We will see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All right. I